friends, and welcome to the World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, a future that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At the World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us, and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Wednesday. How are you, my friend? Man, I just think we're going to have a breakthrough tonight. I really do. <laughs> a breakthrough? We, we could have as many as five. Okay, so. <laughs> exactly. Five breakthroughs. So on Monday's show, we dealt with the first five of the ten breakthroughs, uh, breakthrough technologies of 2018, that according to MIT, right? And, well, uh, MIT technology, technology review, review, I should yes. say. So, absolutely. So, um, we dealt with the first five on Monday's show, and we're going to deal with five more. In, uh, Here's what show. we're doing. As we're going through the list, uh, Stephen and I have each ranked these from 10, the least significant, to 1, the most significant. So, if you want to hear how the first five went and what our rankings were, Go back and listen to our Monday show. It was awesome. And tonight we're going to finish out the list. So let's get talking. I, I think, whose turn did we end on? I, I can't remember whose turn it is to talk about this. But we've got Babblefish earbuds. Why don't you take it, Stephen? Okay. Babblefish earbuds, just what it sounds like. Um, you know, uh, from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, we all learned that you put a fish in your ear and you can understand everybody, right? It, it, that was Hitchhiker's answer to the Universal Translator. Exactly. So, and uh, and and a fish in your ear is, uh, you know, a whole lot more. I don't know. <laughs> There's something more to that, perhaps, than, yes. than a Universal Translator. Just like the uh, the Babblefish is suitably funny for that series. But anyway, that that's what we're talking about. Babblefish earbuds. I'm not called that, uh, and it's Google that uh, is is uh, has has an actual product. And what are they calling their product, Phil? Uh, let's see here. Um, I'm to Pixel Buds. Pixel Buds. That's not that awesome of a name. They should they should, they should license it and call it Babblefish, right? Babblefish but, would have been a better name, yeah. Yeah. So. But what what it what it does? You actually have these earbuds. You put them in your ear, and in real time, near real time, uh, it'll uh, it'll translate for you uh, from someone else's language into your language, and uh, that uh, that's a big deal. Now I understand that the hardware is a bit clunky still. These these particular earbuds uh, they they look kind of uh, uh, they look a little strange, a little clunky, and uh, apparently the tech has not quite been worked out. Um, but still, I mean, some, something that wor- that works pretty well and can give you a you know three quarters understanding of what the person who's talking to you is saying in another language. That the, the impact of that and what it could do for the world is huge, and of course uh, it won't stay clunky. It'll uh, this this stuff will be, you know, give it you know uh, two or three generations into this thing, and uh, this will be the sort of thing that just allows us to go anywhere throughout the world and do business and have fun or whatever. This is going to be huge. So I gave it an impact level uh, out of out of 10, with one being the biggest impact and 10 being the least. Out of these 10 products, I gave it a 4. Um, okay. Well, interesting. So, yeah. so let, me, let me preface what I'm going to say about this by saying that I think the capability described is huge. It's, it's a 10, for sure. It's, it's right up there with 
solving the greatest problems ever solved for humanity. I, I, you know, the universal translator on Star Trek is one of the greatest devices, greatest technological leaps ever portrayed in, in fiction. And the Babelfish, of course, is awesome, too. I think that the, the invention of that is fantastic. I think that these earbuds are not that big a deal. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I feel like if you're reading it, it says the conversation function already existed in Google Translate. And as you're reading the description of it, it's like, okay, well, one person's wearing the earbuds, the other person's got the phone, they're talking out loud. The clunkiness that you mentioned really struck me. That it was like, okay, this doesn't even really sound like a solution. So the fact that this is sort of an intermediate step gave me pause about how big of an impact this is really going to have in 2018. And so I rank this one as number nine, actually. This is my okay. second, uh, second to lowest, although I do, I love the idea. Of, how how would you foresee a uh, version three or four working, Phil? I, I've, got an, uh, I've got a mental image in my head of how I, you know, the, uh, the uh, silly American who knows one language, right, and wants to travel throughout the world, and how I would foresee a really good product working. You know, I don't know. How would it work? Tell me. Okay. So I, I've got something in my ear that uh, is, is small, yep. uh, maybe as small as smaller perhaps than a, uh, a hearing aid, right? Sure. And, uh, you know, it hears what someone says. It translates it into English in my ear. And then I can respond sub-audibly, okay? And, uh, the, and this translator picks up what, how I want to respond, you know, I say something sub-audibly in English. That's sort of a, a thing that's a little below a whisper. I'm actually, I'm actually forming the words physically, but I'm not saying them, right? Right. But the machine picks up on what it is that I want to communicate and then feeds the, that, the language into my ear how to say that. And then I can say it in their language. And that person is also speaking sub-audibly. So you two are sitting together on a park bench, and it looks like no one's talking. Right? It's just like, <laughs> no, 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 you, you are talking. Con- you are talking. I, you know, if, if, it, if it tells me, uh, you know, I, I, I want to order a beer, Einstein, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but it looks like you're talking very softly, right? Because yeah, you're exactly. speaking. But, but, you know, you would, you would speak softly back to the translator, but then the right. translator tells you how to say it in German or whatever, and then you actually say it out loud uh, in, in German, right? And uh, so that the person who's next to you can hear you say it in their language. So, oh, okay. So it wouldn't just play into their earbuds. Right. Exactly. Oh, I, I see. Okay. Yeah. But, but the you would just be hearing things. Again. Yeah. The alternative, if you can't, if you just don't feel good enough about being able to even pronounce it after having heard it in your ear, is to is to hold out a, a speaker <laughs> and let it and let it say what you. <laughs> no, I want to say sub-vocalize so and then have the actual German show up in their ear. Right. Okay. That way. I don't embarrass well, I, myself. That would require them to have uh, have some tech in their ear, which they may not have. If they're, you're in, they're in their own country and they're not expecting to talk to an English speaker, right? They may not have the tech. So you need to have you need to be able to have the tech on yourself that would allow you to talk to somebody that doesn't have the tech at all. Dude, everybody in Europe, okay, and everybody in what Steve Martin used to describe as the countries where they don't have the courtesy to speak English, okay, should. <laughs> <laughs> you should carry one of these. <laughs> exactly. Right. I, I, on, the, on the off chance that Phil comes around. You know? That's uh, right. That's, that's right. All right. I, I like the scenario, but we digress. We've got a lot uh, of... We way digress. Sorry about, about that. Here, here right. we go. Zero, zero carbon natural gas. All right. How about this? So here we have this pilot power plant that's just been built in Houston from a company called NetPower. 
and it's going to produce 50 megawatts using natural gas and its carbon footprint zero. It does not produce any carbon emissions whatsoever from this natural gas. It captures all the carbon at the spot, uh, at the site, and then they take that carbon and they turn it into other kinds of products that, that never go into, into the atmosphere. One of the long-term issues around this is these products, is there going to be a big enough market for them? What, what ultimately happens to all the sequestered carbon? But I can tell you one thing that doesn't happen to the sequestered carbon, it doesn't go into the atmosphere. Which so is I, good. Think, yeah. <laughs> I think that is pretty exciting. I see this as potentially very significant, uh, particularly just in what it demonstrates. I mean, if the, if the same principle could be applied to fuel oil or maybe even ultimately coal, this could be a whole new lease on life for fossil fuels. Yeah. And, and I think this answers one of the big complaints about electric cars. I was talking to a friend about electric cars the other night, and one of the reasons he said he's not impressed by them is all you do with electric cars is you move the tailpipe. And he's right, that, that the tailpipe is now the smokestack at the power plant, right? And if they're burning coal or if they're burning fuel oil in the power plant, the emission-free vehicle isn't really emission-free at all. It just, it's, it's, been, it, it's been moved somewhere. But if you make an emission-free power plant, which, of course, a nuclear plant would be that also, but one that burns fossil fuels, you have eliminated the tailpipe. So I think this is really cool. I think it's potentially huge, and I gave it a four. Okay. I gave it a nine, but, you know, and one of the reasons I gave it a nine is because natural gas, of all the uh, fossil fuels, it's the cleanest already, right? Right. That's true. And, um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm thinking the impact, uh, not so great. But you know what? You, you kind of you, you won me over with your argument. If, if this is something, if this pilot program turns into something that can be done, particularly with coal, which we have so much of throughout the entire world, right? Right. And we, and, and we could actually have coal plants that don't put uh, carbon into the atmosphere. That's huge. You know, thinking of the Chinese and choking on, on their... On, on the coal, the coal fumes that they have in their country, and, and their their efforts to move to something else. You know, what if uh, what if something like this were able to be uh, cranked out for coal? Yeah, um, or fuel oil or something like that. Yeah, it's uh, potentially huge. So uh, I, I'll just tell you, the first time I ever saw John Smart talk, one of his points was, "It's coming." zero emissions energy from fossil fuel. And this is 15 years ago, probably, when I first saw right. John Smart talk. And I haven't heard a peep. I'm like, come on, when, when, when are we going to get this zero emissions fossil fuel? So I saw this. It was very exciting because it resonated with that prediction I'd heard a long time ago. And yep. I, we'll see if it comes to anything. But if it, We need if to get him it, back on the show, by the way. Yeah, oh, yeah, we do. He's he been too long awesome. since we've had John on. Anyway, uh, that's great. Um, okay, well, that's, that's that one. I, yeah, I, I put it at nine, but uh, I'm kind of leaning more your direction. You, you put that one at a four, right? So That's correct. Yep. Okay. All right, next one is perfect online privacy. They're a little vague in the article, to be honest, Phil, uh, as to what what they're exactly they're talking about. You know, the sort of thing where you could you could prove that you're above 18, for example, without without necessarily giving away your birthday, which is really too much information because that you know could potentially allow people to steal your identity. There's right. just things like that where you you can give up you know just enough information to do what you need to do. But not so much that it would it would cause you to be subject to having your identity stolen. So, yeah, this is vital for commerce. Could have a, it could have a particularly big impact, uh, particularly uh, in places like the 
developing world. I don't quite the article seems a little vague here, so I I put it the impact at eight. Maybe maybe because I don't quite understand what they're saying, but I think it's possible that they didn't didn't fully develop this one for their own article either. So anyway, I I. I I put it way up there at eight. So yeah, I also also rank this eight, and I think this one, like one of the other ones we talked about, probably just ran into a word count issue. There's yeah. some concepts that are really hard to explain in a hundred words or less, or whatever this is, 150 words, whatever the, whatever the whatever the absolute limit is for each of these little write-ups on these. Now, what they've implemented here is a zero knowledge proof. And you, you, you described it adequately just now. It's like they can, you can verify your age without ever having to say anything about when you were born, that, that, that kind of thing. It's, if you Google zero knowledge proof, there's a pretty good article on Wikipedia about it. We would spend more time talking about that than we have time for. So I'm not going to try to even remotely do it justice. But if you take a zero knowledge proof and you add it on top of cryptocurrency, where everything is supposed to be on an open ledger and everything is supposed to be public. So you, you run into this problem if you're a financial institution with cryptocurrency in that you're supposed to be protecting your customers' privacy and, and keeping all of their personal information secure. Cryptocurrency is all set up about all of that stuff being out there and public. So this would actually allow a means by which financial institutions would be able to use cryptocurrency, use blockchain, without compromising their customers' privacy. So if I understand what I'm reading here, I agree that it's not 100% straightforward in terms of how they've described it. It does sound like potentially down the road that would be useful if blockchain is going to become as important as everyone says it is, that financial institutions are going to need it. Right now, I don't see my personal financial institutions chomping at the bit to go blockchain. So I think eight's about right for this. You know, let's check back in a year or two and see if this becomes the thing that everybody needs, the zero knowledge proof. But right now, I don't think we do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, the next one's yours. Genetic fortune telling. I'm just going to read this opening paragraph here. One day, babies will get DNA report cards at birth. These reports will offer predictions about their chances of suffering a heart attack or cancer, of getting hooked on tobacco, and of being smarter than average. Now, basically what we're talking about then is looking at your genes and telling you what's going to happen to you. And it works great with a baby because you've got that big, long window, and also you've got all these kind of, what's the word I'm looking for, sort of either-or outcomes that you can declare for a baby. But this will also be used for everyone, right? This, this would potentially be something, even guys our age, Stephen, they could go in, they could take some genetic information and say, well, look, I don't know how to tell you this, but you got a 68% chance of having a heart attack in the next five years or something like that. It's basically, the kinds of predictions that doctors want to be able to give, only much more accurate much more precise than what they're able to give right now. I think this is a double-edged sword. I think we will come to look at it as both a curse and a blessing big time. I mean, 
just last week this story broke, and I don't think we've even talked about it yet, this reading people's retina to be able to tell pretty accurately whether they're going to have a heart attack, that they can now, they, they, they've got an AI that looks at your retina and makes a pretty good prediction as to whether you're going to have a heart attack. Well, this is, take that capability and multiply it across the board by all health outcomes. And in fact, it goes beyond that. It's not just health outcomes, that it can tell you how smart the child is going to be. Right. You know, whether well, they're going to end up dropping out of high school and, this, and some of those kinds of things. So, so you, you know, on the one hand, we want to know. On the other hand, do we really want to know? Right. I, I well, think this, the significance is going to be really high. I gave it a three. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Well, this is the tech that we see in Gattaca. And, uh, That's right. If you yeah. haven't seen that movie, Gattaca, go see it. It's not, uh, it's not a utopia. It is a dystopia. Okay? It is, uh, you know, your, your, your fate is determined by your genetics uh, at birth, and society just won't bother with you. If you've got the wrong genetic profile for this thing that you really want to do in life, well, too bad. You well, know. in that world, of course, there's no excuse for having the wrong genetic profile. Right? That's true. You only, that's true. You only uh, get that by having hippie parents, right? The, that's right. And the, our, our protagonist in that movie did. He is just born the good old-fashioned way. Well, it's uh, that, that's that's not good enough for this particular world, and and so the things he wants to do are just not available to him. So that's that's not cool. We've always kind of kind of had this egalitarian thing that you know. So what if you know if you're able to just barely squeak into say some professional school, right? You, you just barely got the score you needed to get in, and, you, you know, you struggle, 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 but you somehow make it through. Well, guess what? They, you know, you, they still call you doctor. You, they still call you lawyer if you, if, uh, or whatever professional school you went to. Something like this doesn't take into account the, the personal conviction of the person to do the work, right? I mean, some guy or lady is not quite as smart as the average person in that professional program, but works twice as hard. Maybe they do quite well. See, what you're saying is a a hypothetical system that makes decisions based on this wouldn't take those into consideration. This is just a capability to make a prediction, right? If it says you've got a 70% chance of succeeding at law school, and then either the government or your parents say, okay, well, then I'm not going to try it, right? That's yeah. on them, right? It's not on this yeah. technology. Okay, this is this this is an ability to 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 predict. And what well, you, what you're objecting to is either Gattaca or like the bad choices that people will make, which I agree. Uh, to me, that's what makes this a mixed bag. I think that's what makes yeah. it dangerous. But so so is your argument? We don't do this. Then we don't. Uh, no, no. Don't I mean, it, it, we don't have the option of not doing a particular tech, Phil. Right. Uh, by, by and large. Uh, if a if a tech is possible, we do it. Uh, only occasionally are we able, as a world, to just say, you know what, we're not going down this road. We're not going to do germ warfare. Every now and then, we just, as a as a world, decide, you know, we're not going to. There's certain things we're just not going to do. Right. Uh, but by and large, we do everything, and uh, I suspect that we will do this. I think it will have a particularly huge impact. I gave this a three. What did you give yours? What did you give it? I gave it a three also. Where, okay, once yeah. Again, so this, uh, we, we think this is particularly very, very big impact. So This is big. It'll be wonderful, and it'll be awful, and it'll be misapplied in a lot of ways like you were just describing. And yeah, I, 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 I think that exactly it's, it's wonderful in, in that uh, we perhaps can know early some medical situation and, and catch it early and take care of it. And it'll be terrible because it'll be used against individuals too. So uh, you can you can count on 
a mixed bag with that. So, Absolutely. all right, uh, the next materials, one. Materials, quantum leap. What do, you, what do you think, Stephen? Tell us about it. Okay, materials, quantum leap. Well, this is where we just basically begin laying down uh, atoms, atom by atom, and we're able to come up with materials, Phil, that are just not possible to synthesize or to make in the real in the uh, real world right now, right? Uh, the, with the with the other techniques, but the world we live in today, yes, yes. But with the, these new techniques, we can do all these new exotic materials. The ability to lay down molecules exactly the way you want to and get exactly the uh, things that you want. The perfect battery that charges fast and lasts forever, practically. You know that kind of thing. That's that's the sort of thing we're talking about. Our, our super strong materials that. Or maybe a bulletproof vest that's the same thickness as, you know, a, a T-shirt that goes under your clothing. Exotic materials. That's you know, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I would. Uh, I, I gave this a, a, a big impact. I gave it a number three. Excuse me. Number. I'd already done three for uh, for genetic fortune telling. I gave this one actually a two. A two. Well, Stephen, yeah. you've finally reached my number one. This to me, this is the top, and it's it's just because. This idea of, you know what, it turns out everything's made of molecules. Doggone it. <laughs> it turns out, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the, the, we're living in a world made of molecules, and there are almost an infinite number of possible molecules, but somewhere within that space of almost infinite number of molecules are molecules that could make substances, make materials that could solve almost any problem. Right. There's a cure for cancer out there. There's a cure for aging out there. There are wonder materials out there. There are solutions to problems that we don't even recognize as problems. Space elevator. We could build one with the right yes. uh, uh, exotic materials, right? There's a molecule out there that will do that. And what they're talking about here is let's put quantum computers on this problem of isolating and identifying molecules because there's such a huge space. How do you ever find them? And we've talked about this in different flavors over the years, chemical synthesis and, and then more specifically about identifying molecules and how you use, we've talked about AIs working on it. Well, I, I think an AI running on a quantum computer sounds like a pretty good way to go about this. And just because it is so open-ended in terms of what might be out there, I ultimately gave this one a one. Just, uh, this is kind of my hope that this works. And <laughs> they, they, find some, they find some really cool stuff. And with that, you know what, we've, we've done the whole list. Let's run through the whole thing just one more time here. All right. We 3D metal printing, I gave it a 5. You gave it a... A 6. I gave that a 6. So we were out pretty simpatico on that one. Next one? Next one, artificial embryos. I gave that one a 5, right dead in the middle. And, yep, uh, and I gave it a Again, seven. the ethical considerations, that's why I put it in the middle and not towards the top. Yeah, so. it's, it's potentially very big. Okay, next yeah. was Sensing City. I yep. gave it a 10 because uh, I, I, I don't feel like they gave us enough really to go on? Uh, we're, t we're also techno and techno-libertarians to some extent, and uh, so <laughs> that may be part of it as well. N not but, excited about government solutions. Yeah, just not, not exci as, as excited as some might be. But, uh, yeah, uh, I gave that a 10 also. Next is every AI for everybody. Now, I, th I think, you, you know, I gave that one. That was my number one out of these 10. I yep. gave that the number one. Y you uh, didn't give it that much. Quite frankly, because you don't see it happening quite as quickly, and you see this happening on down the road. So, uh, but well, yeah, you see it's, it's huge, though, right? The so. reason I gave it a six is because I want there to be another layer. I, I want the, the solution that comes next, which is the friendly front end for this. 
for right. that's a one to me. So so I gave this a six because they're they're getting closer. That, that was the kind of the way I looked at it. Okay, next was dueling neural networks, these amazing algorithms that talk to each other and make each other smarter and solve problems. I gave that one a two. I gave it a seven. Now, this is probably the one that there's the most difference between you and I on. Yeah. Um, and um, I, don't, you know, I don't know quite what to account for that, but I would say this dueling neural networks is going to be one of the one of the major paths to training AIs. So perhaps I shouldn't have given it such a high score. I, and uh, the argument you made uh, kind of won me over just a little bit, Phil. But I guess I'm sticking with my seven. And you've got, uh, again, your number on that? Actually, I think our next big diff- point of difference, yeah, I gave it a, I gave it a uh, two. And then right. the next big difference was on the Babelfish earbuds. Which is our, the first one for this evening. I gave that a four. What did you give it? I gave it a nine. Okay. So, so we were we were we were pretty apart there too. Not really in terms in either of these cases in terms of how important we think the ultimate capability is, but just maybe in terms of where the current step puts us. I think. Yeah, it's pretty clunky right now. We agree to that. Uh, I I my thought is even a clunky version of this is pretty pretty neat. And uh, yep. uh, so anyway, that, that's why I gave it a four. Okay. Uh, next is uh, zero carbon natural gas. I gave it a nine. I didn't give it much, but you pointed out that hey, natural gas is already pretty clean. So right. making r- really clean natural gas is kind of uh, it's a, it's a, it's low hanging fruit. Back it's the low hanging fruit. It's solving the easy problem. To me, it's yeah. like zero emission fossil fuels. I've been waiting to hear this for a long time. I think it's a I think it's a great idea if they can make it work. We'll see if they can make it work. Yeah, I do not disagree that it is a it's a it's it could be potentially a big deal. So next came perfect online privacy. We both gave it an eight. We would encourage MIT Technology Review to rewrite that section so we can understand it. Because we're pretty smart guys, and if we don't understand it, that means a lot of people. Well, I, I got to admit that when whenever we get into cryptocurrency, um, I've got to learn more about it. Just I just don't know enough uh, about that, and that's that's a big part of what they're talking about there. So, anyway, but we both gave it an eight in part because it's a little vague in the article. Yep. So, all right, uh, next is genetic fortune telling. The Gattaca Tech, I gave it a huge impact of three. One being the highest, ten being the lowest, and so you did too. Yep. Yep. So that's uh, and I, I talked a little bit more about the negatives, but uh, and I still think it's going to have a huge impact with potentially huge downside. But hey, uh, let's let's hope for the best there. And then finally, materials quantum leap. This idea of applying quantum computers to identify new molecules and possibly solve all the world's problems. That's an exaggeration, but not much of one. I gave that a ranking of one. And, Stephen, you ranked it at four? Two. 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 Okay. Two. So we were both very close on that one. And I realized, looking back over the list, that I gave high rankings to the ones I'm really rooting for. (laughs) <laughs> it's just flat a, an important thing. I, I think yeah. that uh, materials quantum leap is a is a big one. The ability to to make exotic materials and to, uh, gives us capabilities we some of which we haven't even dreamed of yet. So it's potentially going to be a much different world in just a few years because of this kind of thing. So absolutely big yeah. stuff. Well, I'll tell you what, it was fun going over the list with you. We look forward to tracking all of these items throughout 2018 and for the years to come. We'll see, we'll see where we get with each of these. And look forward to having you all back with us on Friday. We're going to be back with a brand new show then. Great talking with you, Stephen. Great being with you all. And until next time, live to see it.